What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar Podcast live stream. Holy cow, it's been two weeks since I've been on, on the podcast, and it feels like forever. I, I apologize. I had every intention of telling you guys that I wasn't going to be on for a few weeks because uh, Super Bowl and Valentine's Day. And um, as usual, I am highly irresponsible when it comes to explaining to you guys what I'm doing with my life. So sorry about that. But here we are. Episode 78, going to have Semi Sendy on. If you guys haven't heard of him, you should definitely um, hit the link and show more or wherever you can find it. Get on YouTube and look around for it. Um, but before we get started with that, let's do let's do the uh, the particulars at the beginning here. So this is the deal. If you guys aren't on Patreon, you should be because for a buck a month, you can put beer in my fridge and make me very happy. For five bucks a month, you can get a sticker pack and put more beer in my fridge, make me even more happy. And if you have been following my weight loss, I definitely have been not drinking as many beers as I have as I as I did before. There's going to need to be some catching up once I hit the goal weight. So I would really appreciate that. Joking aside, no, seriously, that that helps out a lot, and um, it definitely means something to me every time I see somebody sign up. Um, that's that's your hard-earned money and you're deciding to support the channel with that and it means a lot it definitely means a lot so there's some cool swag on there that you can pick up if you're on the five dollar tier or the 25 dollars tier I just launched that you can get a uh, pretty rad biker tumbler like this one here stainless steel double wall a bunch of other marketing terms in there the cap's pretty cool you can knock this thing over and it won't spill and that 25 dollars tier also has the 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 biker stainless i think i had a stainless kick a stainless steel bottle opener some of the koozies a handwritten letter maybe a little bit of sweat i'm just sweat some some sweat on there you got my dna just in case you want to do some testing or something no just kidding if you want something for free go to instagram at biker b1 or facebook you can follow follow along there lots of good stuff outside of that um if you just want to support the channel a little bit, but not like on a monthly state status, what the heck? I'm just like making up shit right now. Just a little bit of support. You can swing by the biker website, b1ker.com. Or if you want to be all swanky, you can go to shop.biker.com and uh, get a shirt or something like that. That would be pretty cool. I have yet to like see somebody wearing one of my shirts when I'm just like randomly out in public. That would be really cool. I, 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 like, I was just talking to this guy, Sammy Sandy, a second ago about somebody recognized me on an airplane, but I've never seen my sticker or my shirt like randomly. I mean, I've seen it whenever it's like, Hey, I'm meeting some, some guys that are follow the channel to go ride bikes. That makes sense. Right. But never like driving down the freeway and just seeing one. So you guys could get a sticker pack. Surprise me. Maybe I'll be rolling down five and boom, there it is. Biker sticker. Anyways. This is enough of me. I I would just keep rambling about why you should send me some money. No, I'm just kidding. Let's bring Rich on. Here he is. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Not bad, dude. I um went out for a little ride this this uh this what started this morning with a with a buddy of mine, and it was fun. We had a pretty big group, so it was uh you know how when the the group gets big, it's like hey, we went 75 feet. Let's stop and do something, <laughs> stand around and talk for a while. And you're like, 
It's more this, of a social gathering. Yeah, totally. But it was fun. It was a really good time. And the place that we were riding has like a bunch of like uh, rock rolls and stuff like that. So it's Session. it's like you can take the really easy trail for whoever's in, in that part of the group or like the other guys that want to like step it up. They can go like five feet this way and do something a little technical. So it was kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Where was this? Um, it's in Granite Bay here, right, right by my house in Sacramento, California. I think I've seen some of these rock rolls. Of Granite yeah. Bay. Yeah. I think what's a Colorado kid just did a video on them. He did oh, actually. Was. That place had, it's like a spider web of trails and there would be like behind this one bush. There's another trail. There, there was some, a uh, roll or two that he did on that video. And I was like, I don't even know where that is. Yeah. Be careful so. with what you go behind out there. Cause it, right. Like, Kid. yeah right <laughs> there's a boatload of poison oak out there too so it's just like it gets ugly quick do, do you guys have poison oak there oh yeah dude that uh, thing i don't know it, about you if it's in the same like area code as me i get it um we have it everywhere it's it's absolutely rampant in the appalachians in the mm -hmm. summer i mean it's just fields of it through the woods it's yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, back when I'm from Pennsylvania originally, and there's a lot of poison ivy around there. I think I want to say poison sumac too. Sumac, shumac. I don't know how you say it. Do you know how you say it? Sumac. Sumac. That's like that's like the proper Indian way to say it. Like you won't get like looked at wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah, like, oh, uh, shumac. No, this guy's all messed up. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff's. Uh, I I am fortunate. So the interesting thing about the chemical that's in that plant uh -huh. is um it's a it's an allergen obviously right you're exposed to allergens there is this high possibility that the more likely you'll end up developing an allergy to it if you're not allergic to it right right some people can be like i never get it and then all of a sudden they're 45 and they're like oh shit yeah. so i'm in that boat of like i've never really gotten it i've maybe gotten like little trace hints of it uh-huh like man is there going to come a time? Oh, uh, so you're one of those guys is like, no fucks given, just out there, whatever, you know, not worried about it. And then all of a sudden, one day, your dog's going to be camping with you and you're screwed. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I feel like I'm pretty safe from it, but I always have this healthy fear of like, one day it could happen. Yeah. Like, so I, I avoid it when I see it. I'm like, ah, let's get around it. Dude, I, I, I can spot that stuff like an eagle, dude. I'd be like 300 yards away, like six blind corners behind it. And I can already see it. <laughs> I know exactly where it is. And somehow I'll still end up with it here and there. Well, if you ever, if you ever do any sort of like, um, identification one-on-one classes online, mm -hmm. I would like for you to let me know so I can have Allison sign up for that class because oh, yeah. she, she can't identify it. She just, yes, she just does not work. <laughs> yeah, she gets it. Yeah. <laughs> We always make the joke out here. Like, if it's green, it's poison oak. Like, <laughs> it's just, like it is. <laughs> yeah, just, just guarantee. If you touched a plant, you got it. So I, I don't know. I, I use these wipes that you know, I found on um, on Amazon. I don't. I, can't, I think they're called IVX, and they're like in little like single serving packs, and you just rip them open and and wipe off with that then you can do that like right at you know once you get back to your truck 
And then if I know for sure, like I hit some or I, I'm pretty sure like, Hey, I, I bailed that one time and I don't remember paying attention, you know, like then I'll, I'll use those wipes. And then I usually take a shower with like Dawn. So, cause it's, it's an oil. So basically a degreaser is what you need to get it off of you. Yeah. That's the plan. Yeah. I'm always like throwing the Dawn on in the shower and scrubbing down. Yeah. That type of new stuff works really well too. But it's so expensive. It is. It really it's is. like, yeah, it's like $15 for like a, a thumbtack size. You know, it's like, I can't do that. I mean, I got the Dawn, Dawn Ultra Platinum or I don't even know. It like had, it, 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 they basically cleaned up like the Alaskan oil spill with that stuff. <laughs> and so I figured that stuff you can buy like super cheap and it saved a bunch of baby ducks. So I should be able to get poison oak off, right? <laughs> Yeah, I was, that sounds like it's got the seal of approval. I <laughs> right? I I am sure that that somebody over at Don's like, we didn't do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> Anyways, so dude, what what got you into YouTube, man? Oh man, I um, you know, I I, I guess other YouTubers, other namely mountain bike YouTubers, I've always enjoyed uh, film making and. YouTube was never really on my radar. I didn't really understand it for the longest time. You know, other than watching like the viral clip that got posted to social media or whatever. I, right, right. It wasn't something I was ever, I never understood the depth and the fanaticism around it and what would actually, what the rabbit hole was really like, <laughs> I guess, for yeah. lack of a term. And it was really mountain biking YouTubers that, that got me into it. Um, my other main, sports that I do or there's just not a lot of, there, there's no real like YouTubers in those sports. And so it's just not part of that culture. Uh -huh. And so I'm biking. It is. And you have these fantastic YouTubers that are really fun to watch and, and entertaining and having a film background and then um, coming into the pandemic, I didn't have a whole a lot I could do with filmmaking right in the mm -hmm. beginning. And I just needed to be stimulated. I needed to do something and continue to learn and, and create. And uh, I was like, you know, I hate, absolutely hate being in front of the camera. I hate the sound of my voice. I have a buddy who, who like pushed me forever to do that, to get in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. uh, I just was like, oh, I guess I could just try YouTube. And um, <laughs> you're like, worst case scenario, nobody will watch it. Yeah, like, you're like, I just make these and whatever, and then I'll probably stop doing it in a few months. And I tell you what, I was really surprised whenever like somebody subscribed to me at the very beginning. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is that it was actually MTV Savant. MTV okay. Savant was the first person that subscribed to my channel that wasn't one of my friends. That's and amazing. I, and, and he had made some comment like, oh, cool video, dude. And I was like, I, I, I do it. So my, I'm very cynical about the internet. Right. So like instantly I was like, who is this dude? He's a troll. There's no way that he really liked that video. Like I was not, I was completely convinced that this was like, maybe it's a bot. There's probably a bot that just did that. Like there's, there's nobody watching my videos. Who, like there's not enough information on this guy's profile for me to understand what's going on. <laughs> it's weird. It is. Yeah. It's, it's surreal how it works and it's really cool though. It's, um, 
it's it's really pushed me out of my comfort zone and pushed me into a realm um, that has had it's offered a lot of growth. Yeah, yeah. Personally and for me, you know, technically and and it's just amazing that like I guess I've traditionally been so wrapped up in like cinematography and like all of that stuff and um, you can really throw a lot of that like kind of uptight technicality stuff mm-hmm. off the window. Yeah. And, right. Uh, let your hair down. And um, yeah, you, you can have some pretty crappy shots. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and just engage, it's just being, you know, the interaction with people and, uh-huh. and it's wild now that it's like pretty much every time we go out and ride, we run into people that, that watch the channel and that's the coolest thing. Yeah. Um, especially when we're at a place that, I've done a video on and somebody's there because they saw that video. Oh, that's super cool. That's they're like, Oh, I'm here because I watched. Yeah. And it looked really fun. And I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's it's cool. yeah. You don't ever really think about the reach that you have, you know, cause even like currently let's, I mean, I think we were talking earlier, you said you're around 1500 subscribers, something like that. 2000. About to hit that 2000 mark. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. So even though it's 2000 subscribers, there's still like thousands of other people that have watched the videos that didn't subscribe. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like people that watch them don't subscribe. Right. But like, I think what I'm getting at is, is like, even, you know, even my own audience, you know, like they're, let's say I have 13,000 subscribers and maybe my last video has 6,000 views on it. But even those 6,000 are not all people that subscribe. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's like a big reach of people that you're that are watching your stuff that are not only subscribers. And as a YouTuber, we kind of get focused on that subscriber and we don't really think about the ones that aren't. You know what I mean? So it's like, wow, like there's a lot of people out there that are watching this content. When I go to Auburn, which is like my local place around here, I've done a lot of videos up there. I, I I can't go a ride without running into like four or five people, yeah. you know, and that's even like midweek rides at time, you know, or it's like, there shouldn't be anybody out here. How did you just bump into me? You know, it's so. crazy. Yeah. It's, it's when you're in your like region, especially if you focus, if you do a lot of things that are regionally focused. Yeah. You tend to like really come across everybody and interact with people. Yeah. And I would imagine that your channel is going to do really well. Like, like, regionally as well because there's not really anybody else that's i mean Bo- bobo does ride in some of the places because i've seen you you do like wind rock and stuff like that yeah but but other than that i mean you've done a bunch of videos i saw you did some stuff in like knoxville it was like up on their page for their like knoxville like mountain biking group like obviously you're hitting stuff that that there's not another creator there like where i'm at you know, there's a, there's a handful of us that are out here in this area, you know, so there's definitely not as much, um, there, there's like, you have a higher concentration of being able to hit trails that and make videos of stuff that somebody else hasn't, at least at the quality that you're doing. That's for sure. Yeah, we've got, so I'm about four hours from Asheville mm-hmm. and Asheville is kind of the hotbed for right people uh for mountain bike youtube creators and that's uh-huh. where i actually moved from so i used to live there and i, I moved to chattanooga about five years ago uh-huh and um 
So I'm not far from them and I'm still back in Pisgah riding a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, and especially now you've got all these God, the place is just going bananas right now. You've got Canuga that's shown up the riveter, um, burn, I guess it's going to be called burn park. Is that yeah, I think Yeah. That's burn park. Yeah. Park will show up here sometime, I think this year. And, uh-huh. and you've got Bailey over there and you've got the entire Pisgah and DuPont regions. And, uh, it's just massive. So you've got Bobo and you've got Seth and uh, Steady Spin, Kevin. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Caleb, MTV Frequent Flyers, really nice guy. I like him a lot. We um, bump into each other pretty often. Oh, so, right on. I have to check out his channel. I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with his. Yeah, it's, he's that's, all yeah. <clears throat> that's a good chance I've seen it. Dude, there's like so many channels out there. And sometimes you fall into that rabbit hole. You just start watching them all and you're like, I don't even know where I'm, how I got here. <laughs> You really, you're like, um, I should have been asleep an hour ago. Right. Here I am. Yeah. Good thing. Good thing. There's not like, like subtitles for like tire, like noises, you know, like otherwise, you know, you have to watch it with sound. Right. So like if you could watch it without sound and like still get the same experience, then you'd never go to sleep. (laughs) It's, it's so fun though. And, and, yeah, I mean, I've got some other friends that are starting to do the YouTube thing too, and they're mm-hmm. they're really enjoying it and having a good time. Um, got you know some guys that I ride with and stuff. And yeah, so we'll see. There probably be more growing in the region as well. You're, so so you've said a few times that you have a background or you like uh, making film projects and stuff, and you kind of allude to this is some kind of also your your regular profession or. I do have a film company. Uh huh. So and what do you do? What's the what's the day job there? Documentaries and commercials. Oh, um, right on. Mostly, uh, kind of, mostly social media advertising. Uh huh. And the documentaries and um, last documentary I did. It's been a little while now. It's been about a year and a half. It was uh-huh. a, a film on climbing, rock climbing, and uh, just a really cool kind of land acquisition, climbing area acquisition that occurred here and. Oh, that's cool. Out of Chattanooga, and it, uh, yeah, it was that was a real fun project. So I, I don't know at this point. I, YouTube's eating a lot of time on the film side. So yeah, yeah, I can see how that is. I mean, I think you'll find like a certain um, rhythm to it once at a certain point. I know at the beginning. See, but you've done this stuff for a while, so you probably like. For me, I was learning how to edit at the same time. I'm learning how to use a camera like to me like just knowing what white balance was or ev comp like i had no clue yeah you know it, my my film experience before my channel was like point my cell phone at something you, you know what i mean yeah that helped uh, uh, having all of that not having because that's and we were talking earlier about just some of the the filmmaking youtubers out there yeah you know like your Peter McKinnon's and stuff like that. And you can go down that technical rabbit hole for way beyond what yeah. we think down with mountain biking. I mean, it's bananas. And then just all the different, I mean, just camera operation and things like that can get really intense. And yeah, um, having had some years of experience with that and, and having that kind of is just a, a baseline for me to start this helped a lot. Mm-hmm. It's paralyzing for some people. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. even, even for me, when I started, my channel was like, 
well, branding wise, I know I got to get my logo together. I want to have my name reserved here and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And then, you know, cause I'm an IT guy. I'm like, Oh, I got to get this website together. And I want to, you know, like, and it's like just all the things that I know how to do. I was already like trying to get things to be perfect before even being able to make a, a video to post. And then it was like, okay, now learn how to edit, you know? And so like, I can, like, I, I can understand why there's some people that have, have sent me emails and they're just like, yeah, I, I got this set up and I got this and I did this. And I, I always tell them like the best advice that I ever got where I think it was um, a Jordan Boostmaster video that I was watching. And he was like, the number one thing to start in a YouTube channel is just to make a video. Yeah. Like just do it. And just not like make it and then say, oh, I need to change. It. You know, like you can just, I don't know. I, I've had uh, my girlfriend Allison so many times tell me, she's like, oh, just stop worrying about it. Just put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but see, that's the thing. That's the, like the whole, the flip side of all of this is everything that you're saying, you know, as far as branding and, all of that thought. I, mean, I don't even actually have a real logo. Yeah. I mean, that logo that's on my channel is literally, it's not, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like trying to make something without spending money. Yeah. And yeah. Right. Designer. I'm not, I don't have that experience. See, and that stuff for me, like I think was part of the reason that I fell into is like, I enjoy doing that stuff too. So it's like, it, and I don't know, it's probably just my OCD personality. I, I want to do like 97 things all at the same time and pretend that they have a common goal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so but, we just needed to like talk and share this stuff back and forth. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or at least you can tell me how to do everything. So oh, man. I figured out at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to tell you that I got it figured out, but there is, I've watched plenty of channels. I've had this conversation with plenty of guys that were at the same number as you. And I tell them, dude, you're going to be bigger than me in their time. Don't worry about it. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And now they're like a oh, hundred thousand subscribers. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. If I could only stop dropping the F bomb every 30 seconds, maybe I would be doing better. I don't know. <laughs> that is something that's been a real challenge for me at this channel. I'm not, um, my first few episodes that I put out on the channel did have some more uh, transparent uh, profanity that yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm, I don't know, it's just like ingrained in me to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had some feedback from some folks that were fans of the channel that were like, Hey, you know, I really like what you're doing, but this, this is something that's tough for me. And I gave that some thoughts. Like, you know, I, yeah. I do want this to be accessible even to like kids. That are yeah. maybe thinking about getting into the sport. And I think I had to take a, a, a moment to say like, what is my goal ultimately? And my goal with everything I do with filmmaking with outdoor sports is always advocacy mm -hmm. in the background kind of driven. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, I think I'll just go ahead and like, try to like, if a cuss, I'll bleep it out or whatever. And yeah, I tried to, so <laughs> I go back and forth, man. I really do. Like on one hand, I'm like, yeah, I want, I want to be accessible to more people. And I've gotten the emails from people that are like, Hey, I watched this with my family and you dropped so many F bombs and I can't really watch this with my family. And it's like on one part, I, I want to be 
understanding to that and and kind of you know reach that bigger audience and then there's the other part of me is like what the fuck i don't care man this is just me having a good time and if people want to watch it then they want to watch it so like i i i don't know man it's like so back and forth you know it's um okay so like as somebody who watches youtube i'm totally game like i you know i watch bobo yeah you know and like i know quite a few people who don't yeah and i'm like i love it though like i yeah watch every episode and i mean that last one he did the the skiing one i was just dying i mean oh i haven't seen it yet it's been on my feet and i've just been like super busy but i'm i'm sure it is everything he does is is pretty damn good so (laughs) i mean if if you don't like sophomore humor okay but right right he has a film background too you guys you guys should you guys should do something together you guys are pretty close I'd like to, yeah, definitely. Um, would love to to get out there and, and ride with him, and I, I just think it would be a total blast. Have a good time, and yeah, right. Shoot something fun, be be a lot of yeah. fun. Better bring your your drinking game. He looks like he's yeah. no joke when it comes down to to partying. I can hang. I can. Hang. You can hang. Oh shit! <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Tell me when I'm coming to. <laughs> I can hang. I. uh I get made fun of these days. I've been trying to trying to cut back on the IPAs because man, oh, yeah. it, it packs packs it on for me. So I've been drinking seltzers and uh, oh god, and talk about a I get a hard time for that. Pretty oh hard. yeah, I I already made like sixteen jokes that I can't say online. Well, like as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> One of my buddies, he might even be in the chat right now. He he started drinking those things, and we just oh, we tear him a new one every time. <laughs> He doesn't even have to be drinking them. And we're just like, you remember that one time Steve was drinking the truly or whatever the fuck that thing was. <laughs> <laughs> well, so my, I do have a nickname and that's from my drink of choice, which is bourbon. And oh, there you go. My, my just like daily drinker bourbon is going to be uh, George Dickel. So uh, there you go. instead of uh, pickle Rick, they call me Dickle Rich. Oh, there you go. <laughs> So you can like man it up with the bourbon and get away with drinking the seltzer. Then I see how it is. Yeah, I bourbon, see how it is. It's a little bit of a treat right now. So right, I can't drink liquor. I don't. I'm not a, like barely ever like do I drink liquor. There's a a couple of drinks and that's it. And then of course, anytime I'm drunk, I'm like all of a sudden a shot master. But that doesn't <laughs> count. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, this. This is ah, oh, this is only like seventy proof. I drinks like twenty six of these. Just keep it away from Jaeger. Yeah, see, that's exactly what it was. Well, see, I used to live in Germany, uh, and the Jaeger over there is like a hundred proof. Mm-hmm. So whenever I came back here, I was like, oh, this is like, this is like, this is like bitch Jaeger. I mean, I could drink this all day. Yeah, apparently I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I. uh I've had enough enough hard lessons learned on Jaeger nights. Oh, look there. Steve is in the chat. He says, there ain't no laws when you're drinking the claws. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good times. So, so documentaries, man. That's really cool. I honestly, I'm going to give you this idea and then you can follow through with it because I just like having ideas and not following through with it. But I really think that somebody should do a documentary about mountain bike YouTubers. I think it would be really interesting. Well, I haven't thought of that. 
Right. I think it would be really cool to like, you know how like they like usually like, I, I don't know. I watch a lot of documentaries. So it's like, they'll take, hey, here's the experienced one. So you got the Seth, right. Or the, you know, somebody that's been around and here's the one that's like in the middle of their YouTube journey. And then here's the one that's starting just now. And what are they going through? And like, it's pretty easy. Like, I don't know. Simple. Right. Yeah. <laughs> people, I mean, people want us to see real life. You know? Yeah. That's been proven time and time again in the uh, the realm of entertainment, I think. Right. Yeah, I guess that, uh, yeah. Maybe yeah. that's why I like YouTube because I like documentaries. It's like just the same thing. You just like blew my mind. If I was an emoji right now, I'd be like. <laughs> so what, yeah. So what brought you to Tennessee? Why did you leave Asheville? I was ready to leave Asheville. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, I love the area. I love Western North Carolina, uh -huh. but it kind of grew into something that wasn't, uh, that just didn't jive with me anymore. And mm -hmm. I'm still back there all the time, you know, hanging out with friends. And uh, is that where you're from originally or no, I grew up in Virginia. Oh, okay. Yeah. In a, a, a city called Runnick, Virginia. And, uh, we had <clears throat> an old family farm in Maggie Valley, mm -hmm. which is outside of Asheville. And spent a lot of time going to Western North Carolina mm -hmm. in my teens. I had some buddies I used to uh, rock climb with a lot. And pretty much every weekend, my high school, every weekend was not spent partying. It was spent going somewhere to adventure. Oh, that's cool. Maybe party there, but <laughs> right, right. not party at home. <laughs> so, right, right. We, yeah, we, we went to, we go to, um, Western North Carolina all the time. Go to app like down to Boone, North Carolina, uh -huh. and uh, Linville Gorge area, and it's just it's beautiful. Back there. It's unbelievable. People have no idea what you go up on, like Black Balsam or something like that, or mm -hmm. Mount Mitchell or anything, and you just don't even feel like you're on the East Coast. It's mind blowing, and a lot of people don't realize that you know, the tallest peaks that are east of the the Rockies are in North Carolina. In Western. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I, just until I had that conversation with Seth a couple week, weeks ago, I didn't realize that there was that much elevation like mm. gain or loss over there. I mean, I'm from Pennsylvania and the Appalachians there are like foothills, you know, they're not like super like we called them mountains when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And then I came to California. And I was like, oh, that's the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, OK. You know, like I, I totally didn't. So I just assumed like the way it was there. Oh, that's the same way all the way down. But yeah, apparently I didn't pay any attention in like school. <laughs> yeah, <I was laughs> didn't, didn't realize I was on the, the end of the range, not the middle. <laughs> it's it's spectacular. Um, yeah, and so I always I just always had a fascination with Western North Carolina, and I went to school at Appalachian State mm -hmm. when I first graduated high school ended up transferring and going out to colorado but um but that whole area boone and everything is just it's a super special place to me and i moved to Asheville in 2009 mm -hmm. and uh it uh gosh it was it was such a great time and uh, i cherish every minute i had there mm -hmm. um, certainly there's things i miss you know i mean we have excellent riding here in chattanooga but it's mm -hmm. Not, it's not like Pisgah, and that's really Pisgah is kind of my core style, like what I I love the most. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but we have things nearby that are reminiscent of, and we, you know, things here in Chattanooga are growing and um, we're about to see some more progressive riding opportunities uh, open up right here in the city. And uh, I'm super excited about that. Yeah. I saw that on your thousand subscriber video. You were talking about that this new, new, new park going in or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Walden's park. It's uh Walden's Ridge is amazing. It's this whole Ridge line that basically runs from here all the way up towards uh, the Obed area, the plateau. And mm -hmm. it's like, if you ever heard of Windrock mountain bike park, that's mm -hmm. up kind of the far Northern end of this. Oh, okay. um, actually it's not part of that range. It's separate. It's another mountain kind of off in between there and Knoxville. Mm -hmm. um, and then, Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. It's all right. I'm following you. We have the screw all these other people. I don't care about them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty wild. And this whole Walden's Ridge that uh -huh. comes through here create, there's like all these river gorges through there. And it is stunning. I mean, absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful. These beautiful mountain river gorges that carve through these amazing like sandstone cliffs. Mm -hmm. The rock climbing around here is world-class. I mean, mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. And the gorges, the whitewater experiences here. We have, you know, I do a lot of whitewater boating and the steep creeks here second to none. I mean, they're, they're phenomenal. And so when I left Asheville, you know, a lot of that for me was like, well, where can I go that um, doesn't feel like Atlanta and the mountains mm -hmm. <laughs> traffic wise. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, but still has a lot of good outdoor opportunities and, and Chattanooga ticked off all of the boxes for me. And, um, I already had friends, a lot of friends here and, mm -hmm. uh, and Allison lives here and she and I were dating and mm -hmm. so obviously that, that, helped. <laughs> yeah, that helps, right? That totally helps. <laughs> now you got a place to stay. You're like, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. I was, I've been, I've been actually considering Tennessee. My, uh, my daughter's about to graduate high school. So I've been thinking about moving out of California and Tennessee is one of the places that we've been talking about. I don't want to. I don't want to toot Chattanooga's horn too much because, yeah, uh, you know, I don't want it to to get too crazy here. Right? Believe me, I'm not going to bring very many people with me. <laughs> it's uh, it's as big or as little as you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. It really is, and I, I live. You know, we have a, a house over here in Red Bank, which is kind of off. Mm -hmm. It's right below Walden Ridge. I'm literally a five minute bike ride from that new um, Gravity Park. Mm -hmm. and, um, but I can get downtown so fast. I can avoid the congested areas where traffic comes through. Mm -hmm. so we're kind of a little bit of a hub. We have at Knoxville, Atlanta, Birmingham, um, Nashville, and Huntsville. Mm -hmm. Those are all major, major hubs. Um, mm -hmm. And we're the center core of that. So all of those cities we are the central point that they all connect through. And so mm -hmm. there are a couple of interchanges that are a little, a little. Oh, I see what you're saying. Just like it kind of like the, the, the people traveling traffic kind of builds up. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, that's how Sacramento is between San Francisco and Tahoe. Basically we're just in the middle of it. So come like Friday afternoon, like the freeways are not only packed by our own traffic, but all the people trying to get to Tahoe. And then, on Sunday when it's like people trying to get home, the same thing, Yeah, you know? So well, you I, would I, if you came here, if you went through our most congested area, you'd be like, that's not right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For me, I'm like, uh, I, 
hate this. You're like, this is garbage. And then I get to Atlanta and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> why did I do this to myself? So how did you get into climbing? So your dad or something like that when you were young or? No. Um, yeah. The first, so climbing, I guess I got into around nine or 10 years old. Uh-huh. It's a little climbing wall that got built um, in Roanoke. It was an, it was actually the old armory and mm-hmm. they, the parks and rec somehow acquired it. And it, it was just this little tiny little no nothing climbing wall. And I'd never mm-hmm. seen a door climbing wall before. And um, it just became something for us to do. And, you know, after school with a couple of my buddies and, you know, our parents would take turns as taking us there during mm-hmm. weekends. And uh, yeah, I got, um, got my first job from one of the guys that ran the climbing wall. He hired me on at another uh, sporting goods store. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And what's really cool about that is he owns a bike shop now. And he's owned <laughs> it for a long, long time, uh, just outside of Carbon's Cove in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh-huh. Well, just the right gear. And it's a super awesome shop. But Oh, that's cool. He's, he's run that for like 20 years or something now. Right on. Well, some, a long time. I, I have no idea how long, but a long time. So you said while you're in high school or whatever, you guys were just doing a lot of climbing. How did how did mountain biking come into the mix? I started biking first. Oh, uh, right on. I, I grew up on um, right off the Blue Ridge Parkway. If you've ever heard of that, not really so, know. Super long, just scenic, um, kind of individualized federal highway, mm-hmm. and um, we we lived like off the edge of it, up on a mountain. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of spur trails that came off of some overlooks on the parkway and they connected behind my neighbor's house. And, uh, my first bike was, or my first mountain mountain bike. I think they called it an ATB or something. Oh yeah. That sounds familiar. It was a Schwinn frontier. Oh, nice. Cool. Chromoly. Oh yeah. That's the good stuff, dude. Cantilever brakes. Oh, nice. What year was this? This would have been like 87. Oh, so you're like my age. You're in your 40s, huh? Yeah. Right on, dude. Yeah, my first bike, my very first mountain bike was from Montgomery Wards. Nice. And that, they, my um, my mom bought it with the uh, like extended warranty. So basically, like everything fell off that bike on like a regular basis. And right before the warranty was up, I took it and got all the money back for it. And then I put that as a down payment on, on the giant that I bought, which is, I mean, basically it was a road bike with knobby tires, right? Yeah. Back then in the early nineties, I mean, everything was fully rigid. Like what they called oversized tubing I was like, I bet you my fork stanchions are bigger now than like my like top tube was on that bike. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it's funny, funny how things changed. Yeah. Every, every year, you know, like something new comes out or whatever, and they change like the geometry, just a tad. And you always think to yourself, like, how's it going to get better than this? Yeah. But, but when you look at it in like big jumps, like 2005 to now, or you know what I mean? Like it, it's huge. Or like even 2010 to now, like you look at a bike from 2010 to now, like oh. they're way different. Yeah. I just remember wondering if V brakes were really going to be that much of an improvement over my cantilever brakes. Yeah. 
and was like, ah, yeah, I don't know, I really need that. And then I found like, <laughs> brakes on a bike, and I was like, oh, this is incredible. This is real stock power, you know. And now that's like you would never dream of putting V brakes on a mountain bike. <laughs> yeah, right. The first time I ever used a like a hydraulic brakes, I was just I had never used that. So it, like I had took a break from riding mountain bike between like I don't know, let's just say like ninety eight and. 2005 or something like that and uh i i the bike that i bought had hydraulic bike brakes on it and i remember riding it in the parking lot and pulling the brakes and just about going over the handlebars and being like holy cow and i thought those brakes were amazing yeah and whenever i finally upgraded those brakes to like actually like really good brakes like you, you know what i mean like it was it was even even worse than that you know I, I remember going down this trail and almost going over the bars like four or five times because every time I like pulled the brakes, it was like too much. Yeah. And so, now there is no way that I won't ride with. It's like got to be like a four piston something. I mean, I'm like a brake snob now. It's crazy the paradigm shifts that you go through with all that. And when you right? think about it, you're like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, when I was riding BMX back in the day, like we didn't even put brakes. We would take the brakes off of our bike so it would be lighter. We just used our shoe in the back of the tire, you know? Yeah. yeah. I never rode BMX. I should have. Huh? I said I never rode BMX. I wish uh, I had. I yeah, when you were talking about your buddies going climbing and stuff, like that's what my friends and I did. We just rode around town smoking pot and knocking over trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was happening. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah, it was. It's kind of funny because like I BMX like most of the time with my friends from school, and then on the weekends I would go mountain biking with these like with my my mom's boyfriend and some of some of his friends. So it was like I hung out with these old guys mountain biking, and it was just kind of like something I did with them, you know. Yeah. And uh, I I wouldn't have. I, I don't know if at that point in my life that I really knew that that was going to be a part of my life the whole time. I mean, would you say? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I kind of, I feel like we have a lot of similarities and kind of coming and going from some different sports. Uh huh. Like having periods where you just don't do it. You're interested in something yeah. else. And, um, but, but mountain biking is one of those things that every time I've taken a break from it and come back to it, I'm just like, why in the world have I not, been doing this the last several years like it's yeah insane it, this is so much fun and something i get so much out of and uh, yeah. i think i just didn't realize it you know like for me it was kind of i graduated high school i went in the military and chasing women and drinking beer was like more important to me at the time and then i had young kids i, I started my family pretty young so i was you know just in my early twenties when I started having kids. And so getting through that like time of toddlers and just being super busy like that, it just, uh, I didn't realize that I was missing it until I, I started putting on some weight and I was like, man, I need to like do something to get in shape. Oh, I'm going to get a bike. I used to like riding bike a lot, you know? And, and as soon as I got back on the bike, it was like, Oh wow. I totally forgot. Yeah. And since then that now it's, it's kind of like when I was younger, I was really into music. And I, one time I, I injured my hand and I couldn't play guitar for like a couple of months until my hand got better. And at that time, I felt like my life was over. 
that I couldn't play guitar. And now the way, if I was not able to ride my bike, I would feel the same way I did about guitar. And I, and I actually like never pick up my guitar anymore. You know, I'm like, oh, look, man, there's a solid inch of dust on that thing right now. I should probably clean it off. And then I try to play for like 10 minutes. My fingers hurt like hell because there's no no calluses anymore. I can't play anything. Like all my licks sound. And it was like, no, that's not. And then I get frustrated, put it back down. Like, okay, we'll wait till the dust comes back. And then hopefully I don't break a string. You know? <laughs> well, I'm with but, you. I, you're just reminding me that I meant to take that guitar down so you didn't just anything. <laughs> these days <laughs> and it used to be the there, so i would like be like ah, you gotta pick it up and play again and yeah I, I i don't know i think about a year ago i was playing some or in the beginning uh -huh. of the pandemic i played a little bit but i had it used to be like my life with like like you yeah. it was my life going to shows um going to festivals and things and yeah kind of involved in the music industry loosely for a while and uh -huh. Um, yeah, it was like a big passion of mine. That you was know, like the whole direction. <laughs> yeah, that was the whole direction of my life. People ask me like why I came to California and I say it in a joking tone, but people don't like, I'm being serious. Like I came out here to be a rock star. Like I really did. Like I, I went to school for studio recording. Like, like I, it, it, that music was, was my whole life. And, um, it's funny that it's just, it's funny how things change. I think for me though, it's just chase your passions. Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever they are. I always feel like if you are passionate about something and you chase after it, you'll be successful. And what makes you happy? What inspires you? Yeah. What, what makes, what makes you work hard without it feeling like work, you know? I think. Right. That's how, basically how mountain biking is until you start a YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing so and then you're like that's the thing too it's like you know when you do when you're doing youtube and mountain biking that's you're now incorporating this aspect into your recreation mm -hmm. you know, how do you balance that do you you know you still need to sometimes i go through spells where i'm really wrapped up with a lot of filming and mm -hmm. you know i just like i'll be like okay i've got some stuff together i'm just gonna go ride mm -hmm. go for a bunch of rides and not even think about it GoPro, what? Like, no, uh, not, not, yeah, just, just go ride. And, uh, they got that work, that, that work personal life balance. Yeah. Yeah. Recreation. Right. <laughs> People used to always ask me, like, does it bother you to be filming or whatever when you're riding? And, and I always said, no, it didn't bother me at all. And I didn't realize that there was a difference until I, I started kind of separating it a little bit more, like what you were saying. Because when I first started the channel, every ride I went on had to be a video, you, you know, and, and I now I'm releasing on a much slower schedule and putting a lot more time into my videos. And um, so I'm having these, you know, rides without out the camera gear and without thinking about shots. And it's definitely now I recognize what people were talking about at the time. I didn't. I was like, no, it doesn't bother me at all. I just got to change batteries, you, you know. <laughs> It's different. There's something there. Like you're, you know, if you're thinking about like, are you going to talk to the camera? Or are you going to do? There's some sort of thought that's distracting you away from just like tires on the trail. Yeah, so, I think I so, too. So just having a camera on my chest. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh! Like especially climbing the 
the yeah. humidity here in the southeast. Oh, I can imagine. It's horrific. Yeah. I, uh, I think the other thing is when I first started my channel, I made really shitty videos. So I didn't really know about B-roll or anything. I just put the camera on and like, ah, I'll figure it out in the edit, you know? And now it's like, okay, well, I have to have some of this and I have to have some shots like this. And I want to have this, you know, like you're actually, I'm actually thinking about what I'm, I'm trying to do. So that's probably part of the difference as well, where, you know, when I first started too, and I, I, I say, you know, really shitty videos, but they got to me to where I am. So I can't like knock it too much, but I think also mountain bike YouTube was a little different than it was easy to have like some POV and just have some personality and you can make a video out of that. And, and now, um, you need a lot more than that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's like a good question. What is, uh, what has been the kind of, what is that transition really looked like? Cause I don't really know, you know, I go back and I can look at people's older content that are, have been doing this a long time and you can see a big change mm -hmm. years. And, um, but I haven't been a part of that, you know, and, um, I'm just, I'm coming up on a year now of doing this. So, um, your, your videos are like super dialed though. I mean, they're, I, once you said, you know, that you had a background in it, it made sense to me because when I first started watching your videos, I, I was blown away immediately because not, it's not typical for somebody that has at that point, I think when I first sent something to you, you were like right at a thousand or something like that and to have that quality of video and that low of a subscriber count. It's not typical because usually people are doing exactly what I said is like learning how to use a camera, learning how to edit at the same time that they're like growing their channel. Yeah. You know, so when I when I saw your stuff, I was like, man, this channel is going to kill it because this like your stories are great. Your 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 B rolls like like it's put together like basically your videos look like I want mine to look like. And then I finish mine and then I'm like, no, it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> it's it's a ridiculous amount of stuff so that you can like find the 10 percent that works. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy, right? It's, it's interesting. And then it, that's the other thing too, is even if you're, when you're making content, like how do you get it out there and how do you find people who are interested in it? And, uh, especially if you know nothing about YouTube, I mean, it's, it's, uh, kind of jumping into the abyss. As yeah. Well. There's a bunch of stuff with YouTube that are like, it's like urban folklore too. Nobody really knows. Like, you just throw in some words. Oh, it's the algorithm. Yeah. You know, like There's to the algorithm. Yeah. What is the algorithm? You know, like I don't know what that is. Just say it every once in a while. It'll get you somewhere. There's <laughs> chasing the algorithm. Yeah, yeah. For a long time, people would always say, "Oh, you have to have a good story," and I would be like, "Yeah, you have to have a good story." I would tell people that. Yeah, you have to have a good story. I thought I knew what a story was until like a couple years later. I was like, "Oh." I didn't know what a story was. I thought a story was like, Hey, Rob went on a mountain bike ride and his friends and him drank a bunch of beer when they were done. Like that's a good story, right? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. The story is, is the fun part. I think, especially with the, when I started doing, you know, YouTube, I was just doing these trail rides and being like, Oh, I'm just showcasing, a trail network. And yeah. 
and that's fun. I like doing that and and whatnot. But it's it's uh, the story or like the the things that happen along the way and the things you learn, the things that come out. I think those are the things that people are probably maybe more interested in. And mm -hmm. uh, I have no idea what people are most interested in. I just try to take guesses and throw things. Yeah, yeah. For me, <laughs> for me, when I first started, I remember I was watching BKXE because he had just he was pretty new at the time. And I remember like like I would go and and read all the show mores and stuff like that because I wanted to know more about him as a person than than maybe just what was on the video right yeah and, and so when i started my channel i was like i'm gonna just talk a lot because i'm good at talking you, you know what i mean so i was like i'm gonna make it more like a vlog but i'm rolling you know and uh that was kind of my my purpose at the beginning but i didn't really i don't think i really un, like it's just a, a learning thing you know to really kind of learn who i was and where like i remember my first few videos i i was trying to be like what i thought would probably be good for a, a video instead of just me being me yeah and, and i remember i did this video called beer your bike and i was like drinking some beers and whatever while i was putting some parts on my bike and it was just me being me because i probably had a half a buzz on you know and, and that video did well and whenever it did well it made me realize like wait a minute like why are you trying to like be a personality or be a like what you like just be you that's actually like that's okay you know <laughs> so it's, yeah it's a huge thing like and it's hard to be you when you maybe aren't so comfortable in front of the camera yeah like i definitely have a a thing that happens where I point a camera at myself and I start talking in this really ridiculous voice. <laughs> I look back at it later. I'm just like, Oh man. Like, yeah. Uh, why are you talking like that? Why are you doing that? You sound ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> just relax. Just chill. I think the hardest one is just getting used to like putting a camera out in front of you and talking to it with a bunch of random people walking around. Oh, that's the worst. Oh, yeah. I'm self-conscious about that. I feel like a total goober. When yeah. I I'm like, oh, these people are like, who is this guy? I'm yeah. Like, walking into a camera. Yeah. It takes some time. I mean, like to, to be walking down like a semi-busy street, talking to a camera as you're walking into a bike shop, you know, and maybe you're holding two, two cameras. Cause you're like, I want this shot from this direction and this shot of my face, you know, like what is wrong with this dude? You know, I haven't gotten there yet. I, I'm so I can get so socially awkward. And if I put that into the mix, I'm like completely inept in public. I'm just like a freeze and lock up. I'm like, uh, I used to pride myself on just uh, hitting record on the camera and just and and like that would be what I used. And and now I don't know what happened. It's like now I like am like writing a script or something like that of like what I want to say. I think I know what happened actually. I should I should be clear about this for people. Like at a certain point of making videos, I would listen to whatever I said randomly when I just hit record and I'd be like, man, I wish I said that. I wish I would have thought a little bit more and I wish I would have made that point. And I think because of hearing my videos and thinking that too many times, then I started to write like a script. At yeah. least maybe I wouldn't read it word for word, but I would like use that to kind of like, oh yeah, I wanted to make sure I say that. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh, I also never did voiceover. So then once I started doing voiceover, then I obviously you write that down. Right. And now I get in front of the camera. And I'm like, 
Holy hell. I'm just trying to say two sentences and I can't get it out. Like how many times I got record the same two sentences. Right. Like I don't know how to, I don't know how to speak English anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Hit that record button. And it's like, <laughs> exactly. and some days it's a little better than others. It's, uh, there's days where it's just a mess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you yeah. use that? Uh, you use what, what do you use to edit with? I use a software called DaVinci. Oh, okay. So you're a cheapskate. I get it now. Yeah, I actually have DaVinci Studio. Ah, stepped it up. Version. Uh, so I run the fancy version. Oh, there you go. Uh, I, I started using it because um, for anyone who's curious about, about DaVinci, it's actually an incredibly powerful editor that people are using um, in top-end film production studios. Yeah. Um, Black Magic makes it. They make incredible cameras. They make a lot of uh, their color science that they use is amazing. And so, and what that means is just how they interpret color. And that's important in the cinematic world, but not on YouTube. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, try not to bore everyone too much. But what's cool to know about it is that, so uh, everybody, you know, Final Cut and Premiere are like your two big players. And right. DaVinci recognized that they both were terrible with color editing. and mm -hmm. They, they that was very important to them and so they developed a color editor that was super powerful and but it was a pain because then if you were working in final cutter premiere you had to like take everything and export it out to davinci and then like do all the coloring and then export it back into whatever you're using and it sucked mm -hmm. it was very time consuming and very annoying yeah, and sounds back, like yeah in the background what they did was they kept developing uh, an, an editor and making it better and better and better and just doing these like free beta versions and kind of pumping it along and all mm -hmm. of a sudden out of nowhere it got powerful and it yeah, became, yeah. Like, all of a sudden you started real i started realizing wait the editor is just as good and you can even you can even go in and assign everything to be uh premiere keystrokes or mm -hmm. uh final cut keystrokes so like they're taking that learning curve out yeah over and be like instantly using it and getting through it and kind of the last the last frontier for them or the last achilles heel for da vinci was um after effects you mm -hmm. know premiere after effects was still dominating that more um animated side of things if you will mm -hmm. they uh they got it together and now they have pretty much this is powerful of a tool for that and I think they just kind of snuck up on the market. And as soon as Adobe was like, we're going to start charging you this yearly fee and, yeah. get this and all this stuff, I kind of was like, I'm done. I'm over it. And about a year ago, I dropped it and went to DaVinci and never looked back. I am, am a cheap ass. So the first editor that I loaded was DaVinci. And um, basically because it was free, right? And almost the exact same pitch that you gave a minute ago i think was on their site is like you know or at least the site that i read that that led me there was like this major movie and this major movie was done on on the free version and i'm like oh really or whatever you know and i was like okay well if it's good enough because basically for me when i started i knew that i didn't want to be held back by a software after i had been doing it for a while yeah. so so I knew that it was worth the time to learn something complicated at the beginning 
but to make i knew that it was going to be a very very valuable choice that needed to be made though because otherwise like in web stuff for example there's some programs that i use still that aren't made anymore because i know how to use them so well it's like such a time suck to try to use something that's newer right so so i was like all right and i loaded davinci and at the time there was not very many tutorials online on how to use them or how to use it so for me it like even though i wanted to use it i i just felt like i couldn't because i would just like look up you know like how do you import your video and anybody that's using davinci like already like they're like duh you know and, and you know for me I, I was like i don't even know how you do that you know jerk in a facebook group being all yeah 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 exactly so where <laughs> then i i was like okay well what else is there okay well there's adobe and because of my job like i could get that from work and and uh then that was easier for me to to be able to find like tutorials and there's you know a billion people doing like videos on how to use premiere right yeah but now now i i do question it um now that i understand how to edit and what to do and how things work i feel like making the jump to another platform wouldn't be as hard yeah and you can now find a lot of good davinci videos yeah i've used used youtube as a tool for lots of fast tracking new things in davinci for myself uh -huh. yeah they're just as good as everything else so yeah and that's the crazy thing is the free version honestly i said i have the fancy version but mm -hmm. there's only a very very tiny minuscule portion of things that i use that paid for version for that have no relevance in what i'm doing with youtube yeah yeah if well, you're yeah. out there you're wanting to find something to edit on and you don't want to spend money and get davinci it's awesome it's yeah I, I think the only thing that that's discouraging and i think it, it's discouraging no matter which platform that you choose um they're all very they're not very user-friendly when you don't know anything yeah. like it, it's not like like windows movie maker where you're like point to these videos and push this like instagram filter and then you're good you, you know what i mean like so i think that's a part of editing that turns a lot of people off whenever they first try you know they want it they have this this goal in mind of the, the video that they want to make and then it's like oh my god this is going to take a shit ton of time you know i encourage everyone that's never done it before to start with something super basic yeah it, just to see if you like it yeah and then if you like it what is the, what's the something harder so the yeah yeah getting the learning curve done right like is there still like a windows something i don't even know what to recommend to people i don't know i mean i always i'm a mac person so yeah iMovie's the easy intuitive one it seems like gopro has a yeah i haven't looked at their software in years i know whenever i first started making videos their software sucked like it, it sucked so bad that i didn't want to try to learn it you know what i mean it has to be better now. yeah i would imagine it's better now how about anybody in the comments can you guys tell us what um what's the easy cheap editor that you guys use That'd be awesome yeah yeah i have no idea when people ask, and people ask me that all the time i'm like i don't know dude i use premiere pro and just like buckle your seatbelt because you're gonna be freaking in that chair for a while <laughs> so somebody's saying that davinci offers their own tutorial now too i actually don't have the chat up i need to get that i want to look at oh it's, it's in the window that we're in i don't know if like 
on the right hand side it says comments or at least that's uh, i'm in the private chat that's why so, oh there you go hey everyone hey there you go <laughs> so there's squirrely day what up <laughs> so yeah so you mentioned squirrely dave i was gonna let it slide but now he wants to know if you're gonna send the road gap at ttc i don't even know what ttc is yeah i am tell, <laughs> tell, me, tell me about this gap dude um oh man it's great this uh i should just tell you a little bit about this race that's coming up it's happening this weekend okay and it is there is like this crazy amount of hype that's just blown up around it um so so dave owns a uh company called go nuts mm -hmm. and he puts on races um he's been doing cross country for a long time and he's been doing um enduros now and in the southeast enduro is a little challenging it's hard to find um you know good venues for it mm -hmm. that are appropriately challenging i think and mm -hmm. uh, consistent with that format mm -hmm. and um so when you say that um are you just saying like more chunky gnar for long downhill like i'm trying to understand like most of your trails are yeah. like c rate more is what you're saying yeah yeah like uh like pisgah is a great area as far as like having you know transfer stages that are like reasonable and then like pretty technical hard mm -hmm. uh, times you know actual uh stages and uh but it's all but then you're dealing i don't know it's just a lot of stuff you're dealing with as far as like the national forest and whatnot and that's mm -hmm. um it, so th there's limited options and Windrock is one that's become um they've got an ews enduro that happens there in, in march every year mm -hmm. and uh there was this venue the trials training center which if there's anybody watching this that's into moto they might very well know what the trials training center is it's like okay. a, a world-class moto uh trials observed trials area and they do enduros there moto enduros and um they have the tko there it's like this super massive event red bull comes in and takes over and it's just it's huge and um the venue has had historically uh the downhill southeast series so mm -hmm. it's, it's had shuttle access for downhill mountain biking in the past and there were some issues with some land access at the top. And unfortunately, a lot of the shuttle access was lost and the venue started to kind of fade a little bit for mountain biking. Um, there were some other enduros that occurred there. Third, third Coast put some on. I don't know all the history of it, but it, it's definitely been happening there. But it kind of like, I don't think for the last two or three years, much has happened. And mm -hmm. I'm talking with one person who's involved with the, the location or loosely involved with it who likes to mountain bike and is into that sort of thing he's like yeah it's kind of not worth it these days well mm -hmm. dave um ended up reaching out about using it as a venue for enduro and they threw the first race there last november and um they put in a ton of work i mean a super huge amount of work just getting it ready for that november race but the stages were kind of they were kind of short but they were like super technical they're pretty mm -hmm. um and they've since now they've got this coming weekend the next one number two for the go nuts enduros there and they have drastically expanded um the courses they're long a lot of them have 
doubled, tripled, maybe a little longer in length. And oh, wow. they're even a little more technical. And uh, there was this one, this stage one from last fall at the bottom of it, even in the downhill Southeast series, mm -hmm. it had a little spot where this old forest road cut across and there was a little rock ledge. And it was kind of weird. Like the rock ledge mm -hmm. was a little subset from the ground a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like strange coming into it and trying to like get over this road. It was a little weird. And they went in and built a platform. Um, Build Tune Ride, I think, helped them out with building the platform. Mm -hmm. in on this, they're a, a sponsor of the event. Um, and they put in this launcher on it. And now it's a road gap, like at a bike park. And um, it's 20, it's not too big because. I've never hit any road gaps before. It's like 20 feet out, seven feet down. And, uh, but it's at trail speed. So for racing, it's perfect. Like you just come in and you just hold your speed and just hit it. Mm -hmm. And it's been kind of, it's been part of the hype. There's more, they put in another drop on stage two. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. They've, it, it's awesome. I mean, so you hit the gap? yeah, finally I was, that ended up being the first thing I've hit that's that size. I'm not a big, I'm not a big, big air person or like yeah. a, I love technical riding and I love gnarly kind of steep, you know, black, double black type riding. But yeah, um, when it comes to like getting going really fast wheels off the ground, way high up in the air, it's not me. And yeah. I used to jump a lot when I was younger. I actually had this conversation earlier today and, and it's just, um, I think now the opportunity for me to to not be on the bike for a while because I messed up, like it, it makes me not really care about doing that stuff. So I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's but it it, it got it got me in the zone. I don't know. It's like yeah. okay, we're gonna race this, and if I come through and I can't do this feature, like man, I'm not gonna do well on this stage. So it's instant. Right. Yeah, it was instant, like, pump me up, get, get me in the mode to, like, do it. And I'm glad I did it. I've done it quite a few times now. It's, it's actually pretty good to go. And Most uh, of that stuff, like, from my my younger days, like, when I was saying I jumped a lot, like, most of that stuff, when you're doing it at the right speed or whatever, like, it's actually really easy. You, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's not much to it. It's but just, man. that fear, that, like, yeah. Because as soon as you hesitate, that's when everything just moves. Yeah, then, then you, then you, then it's all ate up, you know, <laughs> like it's yeah. no good at that point. Yeah. So, what did you do? What did you do to get yourself there? A bunch of shots. Pumped <laughs> yeah, up. I mean, Dave is like full of energy. Like, uh -huh. I don't know if you've ever met Dave or watched. He has a YouTube channel too. I have to check he's it out. Been on, um, he's got a fun one where he was at Burn Peak tackling all the features there. I mean, Oh, right on. It is awesome. He's a character and he's nuts and he's go nuts racing or just like a perfect go nuts biking. There's also a go nuts racing. Don't Google that. Go nuts. <laughs> who you want to check out, but he's just a perfect character for all that. But he's just his energy about it. Kind of got uh -huh. up about it. And then, um, so he's brought, he's actually now got steady spin working with him on all these races. Steady, oh, right uh, he's the director of NAR. So he's been kind of helping to amp up some of the Enduro stuff and, um so between the two of them Wait, like steady spins yeah. the director of nar yeah it's oh, all i can yeah i can i can see him amping some shit up <laughs> bringing the heat 
right? Between their energy, their whole crew's energy, and then my crew's energy, I was just like, I got kind of fired up. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be the first one I do. So, um, yeah, cheers to them for bringing this venue back to life. And uh, I, I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, it's literally and, – and the energy in the southeast right now over this event is – spectacular it's Everybody's so fired up yeah everyone's fired up and these i mean allison's class is she's women's 30 to 39 i think she uh -huh. has been in her class and she's like she was looking back historically through you know a lot of like gravity oriented races in the southeast and that's just not common mm -hmm. but to see that growth is and to see all these people super amped up and psyched out i mean the event sold out way early and I can't tell you how many people now are, that I talk to are like, oh, I wish I'd signed up for that. You know, mm -hmm. I've missed out big time. Um, but how is stuff like uh, COVID wise back there? Is everything like kind of opened up there? Oh, yeah. I mean, Tennessee, um, yeah, it's, it's the Wild West, honestly, with everything. And yeah. if you were watching a lot of what was going on um, throughout, historically with COVID Tennessee ended up being one of the worst areas in the country. Um, definitely one of the, the places that not a lot of people took it very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, everybody has mixed opinions and feelings on it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to get it all political. I was just trying to understand the the putting the venue, the event together out here. Like it's weird out here in, in um, California. I mean, it's like, some counties like they didn't care and like you know bars were still open they just like spray painted all their windows so you couldn't tell people were in there you know and then other places were like if you if you're driving in your car by yourself without a mask on people are giving you dirty looks you know so yeah. like, you're like what the hell man i don't know what the what's what where is the 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 middle zone here <laughs> you know yeah and you know that's the thing too and, and well one thing about it too especially the being an enduro like people can social distance. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. People can mask up. People can keep their space. Like you're not taking, you know, you're, you're not shuttling up. Like it's totally, and everybody, I think in general in the Biden community is respectful of each other. And it's like, no matter yeah. how you feel about it, like people are respectful of how somebody else might feel about it. And yeah, it's been smooth. Um, I think mountain biking wise, I pretty much like all the people that I rode with before nobody really stopped riding together. And I don't think any of us paid much attention to it. I mean, I'm not saying that we like totally disregarded it, but as far as our like riding went and like who we rode with, nobody in my group of friends like curbed anything. And I, I don't know if that's something to be proud of or not proud of, or you know what I mean? But I, I, I definitely would like, I could say, I go out to the trailhead and it's the same people, maybe more now. And I don't see anybody wearing masks at the trailhead, y you know? Yeah. Um, the hikers people. on the other hand that are out there are all wearing masks and stuff. So I guess yeah. mountain bikers, just assholes. <laughs> jerks. I mean, I, I think we did pretty well with it this year. I mean, we kind of had our group that we, you know, in the heat of things have stuck to our quarantine as we would, yeah yeah and, um, and things have gone pretty smoothly everybody's been very communicative and if something happened if somebody had an exposure 
everyone was really good about being like, Hey, look, I just got word. I might've gotten exposure. You guys, yeah. I'm going to quarantine and everybody did the right thing. If it yeah. up. And we haven't had any major that I, I, you couldn't say that there was any sort of like demographic outbreak that happened within our court. Yeah. So I, I think we, we did things appropriately cautiously and things. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's well. the, totally what we did as well. I mean, one of one of my friends did end up getting it and um he did exactly what you said you know he kind of like quarantined and i just thought he was being anti-social for a couple of weeks like, now nah, i had a covid i'm out <laughs> thanks dude <laughs> i ended up getting it in november and yeah. I, I didn't get it through any of these sort of activities i ended up um going out to colorado for work-related um mm -hmm. event that it was kind of a it was a mandatory meeting and yeah. pretty sure I got it on the flight to Denver um, yeah. and uh, came back and was sick for like nine or 10 days and yeah. got better. Yeah. My son, my son had it and he said it, it was for him. It was just like having the flu or something, but it was, super for me. It was like, it was definitely, it was far from the sickest I've ever been, but it was like bizarre. It, yeah. I, it was yeah. good. And, and at the end of it, when I got back on the bike, I was kind of, I got a little freaked out for a little bit. I was like, oh man, am I going to be one of those people who's going to have these like long term effects? Yeah. Um, those are very real. I mean, I've had other illnesses in the past where I had some long term effects and, yeah. to, you know, like dealing with that and wondering when you're going to be back to normal. Um, so I kind of started having some of those fears because there's a lot of like, and it's, it's, it's an intense time for the world dealing with yeah. all. So like all, everything all the talk and everything going around it, even if you're like, feel pretty healthy and you feel like you're going to be okay. You, you still kind of get freaked out when you have it and you're like, oh, no. And I'm, I'm pretty much a guy that's like, like pretty laissez faire about shit, man. And, and, um, my daughter has a friend that she hangs out with all the time. And, and, um, the father of the household there had got it. And I I'd be lying if I wasn't like, Oh crap, man, what's going to happen to me? You know what I mean? Like, are we all going to get sick or like, what's like, is one of us going to be the one? Like, I don't know anybody that's died of it. Am I going to be the one that, you know what I mean? Like all that shit goes through your mind. So it does. It does. And I, and, and it's again, it, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It's like, there's a reality to it. And yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, I know a ton of people who have lost, um, a lot of their like elders in their family and, mm -hmm that's not fun. And so I've been like super concerned about my parents and yeah, visiting them and whatnot. But, um, but man, when I got, when I got over it and, uh, got back on the bike, I felt incredible. Yeah. I, like the best I've felt in a long time. And I think it was because I just truly rested. Even when I get sick, usually I'm really bad about resting and mm -hmm. uh, I still like up and moving about the house and, and just feel like I have to get into something. You know, yeah, yeah. It was like one of the first times I ever just sat on my butt and did nothing. And it was because I like mentally I did not like whatever was going on, I just like zapped. Yeah, yeah. It was a little catatonic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I can't even finish a whole movie. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but I sat on the couch a lot. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> I was like so rested. Right. I used to count on my hangers for that, but now I'm freaking not drinking much anymore. I'm like, damn, I don't watch any TV. I'm so motivated. My life's all freaking put together and shit. The hell? I was it's looking so, forward. 
not drinking because you're trying to um, shave some weight. Yeah, I just cut some calories. So yeah. I mean, I, I'm like, I drank on Friday. I mean, I'm just not drinking as many many oh, days of the week as I did before. Like, basically, I used to drink on any day that ended in Y, and then um, <laughs> sometimes the days in between those. And <laughs> but no, um, just honestly, I, I'm just I I know I'm impatient. I think that's really what it comes down to. And I know I could lose weight and still have beers here and there, but I really want to lose weight and get to my goal weight and then maintain. And I know that the more strict that I am now, the faster I can get to that. And, and because I'm impatient, that's what I want to do. And, um, whenever I like, cause I, I hit this diet pretty hard at the beginning. I lost a bunch of weight and then I kind of was like, okay, I'm only going to be like super Nazi on the diet for the first like two months. And then I'm going to chill and I'm going to be okay with losing weight at a slower rate. And then, um, that time came and I actually wasn't okay with losing weight at a slower rate because, um, I don't know. It just, it just didn't work out well for me. And then, uh, cause I can't, I like, I feel like I can't half-ass it. I just have that personality where I have to like be all in or not at all. So I'm that way. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but I lost a hundred pounds cycling. Oh, right on dude. How, how'd that go? How'd that go down? I, um, <clears throat> I was never in high school. I was never more than like 165 pounds soaking wet. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in my late, well, like right around end of late 19 into my 20 year, um, ended up in an unfortunate circumstance and gained a ton of weight, gained a hundred pounds in a course of a year. Oh shit, dude. That's like really fast. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, it was uh it was crazy it was like super bad i mean i carried that weight for about three years uh -huh. and was like got really depressed and got really down and you know as you as we talked about earlier like i was very active uh -huh. youth and to go do that extreme it was terrible um, yeah and one day i got fed up i was like man this is no no more. <laughs> yeah. You hit that wall where you're like, I've got to do something. Yeah. And you have to be that. You have to do that on though. You can't like, you can't lose that weight any other time until you're like, you're like really ready to lose. You've got to be like, yeah. it has to be all you like. Yeah. Yeah. Admitted and get upset, like, a little obsessed about it. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. I did it. Uh, I started like hiking some, uh -huh. um, and I was living like right off of like Shenandoah National Park. So I had all these trails right out in my backyard and uh -huh. kind of had one that I liked a whole lot that I did a bunch. And then, uh, you know, I, cycling had, I, it was like three years <laughs> off. It's like, I just should get back. <laughs> you know, I, I, a great way to do low impact cardio. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's helpful when you're trying to get these things kicked off. And, uh, <clears throat> So I got back on the bike and started doing that and got super, super obsessed with it and just kind of like figured out what worked for me dietarily. Yeah. And, uh, the pounds came, came off nicely. I was surprised. Yeah. Diet's the biggest part of it. Yeah. And I, yeah. And you definitely, you gotta like all those things like beer and 
yeah and fried food and like whatever it just has to kind of go if you want to get rid of it at a decent yeah. rate if you yeah yeah <laughs> and i know i can maintain i've done it before you know so it's just uh like i said in my last video i mean i chose to be the weight that i was it wasn't like it happened by accident like i chose to to not give an f about anything and i chose to stop working out and i chose to stop eating because basically what i used to do is and what i'm planning on doing again is you know eat eat reasonably good during the week and then on the weekends you know whatever have a good time and as long as I'm being active enough, then I'll maintain whatever weight I'm at. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, but it's easy to get lazy, you know, and, and be like, oh, well, we can go on have, you know, we got to watch. We got to have beers and wings whenever we're watching Monday Night Football. Holy shit, it's Thursday. They have football on Thursday, too. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it just keeps adding up. and adding Yeah. Up. Yeah. You know, and like you, you just like, I don't know, man, life, life is funny. You get an injury. You know, that's a good one. That I mean, basically my shoulder injury is what really got me off track. I couldn't ride bike for six months. Yeah. And I I just, you know, drank a bunch of beer and ate a bunch of food that tried to make me feel good. And then it's like, yeah. Then, you know, I had, you know, a bunch of extra weight on. And and the problem is, I mean, even when I was 300 pounds, like I was a fit fat guy. You know, like there's not a whole lot of 300 pound guys that are climbing up to 10,000 feet on a mountain bike and riding for five hours. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And so like, even though I outwardly didn't look like somebody that was pretty fit, you know, I was, you know, and I'd see like guys that were, you know, much thinner than me struggling to keep up with me. And like, you know, and so it's like in my mind, even though I, I looked in the mirror every day. I didn't see myself the way that I do when I look in the videos of me now. And yeah. I'm like, damn, dude, I was like big, yeah. you know, like I was just like, ah, I'm just, uh, I'm just partly, <laughs> I'm just happy, you yeah. know, but like, it's like, no, man. So and you got but, a happy spot, right? Like that, like not being, you really have to buckle down if you want to shed the weight, but then when, yeah. you, when you get to that point, where you're happy. Well, that's the other thing too. Like you got to kind of recognize when you're healthy at a yeah. healthy weight and not go past that, like not yeah. obsessive about it and go past that. You, like find where you feel great, where yeah. you feel healthy and solid and sustainable. Yeah. And the, the weight loss is a, a benefit to your well being and your feeling yeah. and not an obsession. And then yeah. like lock into that somehow and figure out what works over time. And that's the hardest part, right? Like maintaining it kind of, yeah, I've had, I've had a couple waves where I've, you know, I went from 165 to 265 and then got down back to like 170-ish or so and then mm -hmm. got back up to 215 yeah. seven years later and worked it back down. That was the beer in Asheville, by the way. The right, day. yeah. Damn them IPAs. Really, really <laughs> in Asheville. <laughs> right. So, yeah, how do you find that, like, that happy medium. I think work. if you know it though, I mean, you have to be honest with yourself and like what kind of lifestyle that you want to live and whatever. And I totally a hundred percent agree with what you just said there. Cause that's what two twenty is for me. I've been at a point where I've had like the beach body before and like, you have to be super disciplined to have that. And I know right around two twenty, I can mountain bike as much as I want. And like, as long as I'm eating decent during the week and yeah, there could be one, you know, Monday night football or whatever kind of thing. But as long as I'm eating decent on the week, 
during the week. And then on the weekends, that's whenever, you know, have the beers with the buddies and the, the post ride beers and pizza and stuff. And, and I can maintain that weight and be happy with myself and yeah. not take my shirt off and be embarrassed. You know, yeah. not that I'm embarrassed even actually, I don't get embarrassed when I take my shirt, not embarrass other people when I take my shirt off, Put it yeah. that way. <laughs> not make people feel sad for me, but, um, and, and that's, you know, that's what I'm shooting for. So just get back to there. And I, I used to always have a thing where I'd be like, Hey, if I like, it was 10 pounds basically. So if I hit two thirty, it was like, all right, buckle back down. 10 pounds is easy to lose. Yeah. Like you can like, it's, it's very easy. The first five is like instant. <laughs> right. Right. So like, it, it's easy to do that. But, um, what happens at least for me is enough time goes by that I forget how crappy it was to lose a bunch of weight. And in my mind, I'm just like, oh, well, I lost 50 pounds before. I can do this again. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just blow this off for a little bit longer. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, wow, man, now I have 50 pounds to lose. That's great. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, but you have to be there. You're like, you, I don't know, man. Like, a, there's no other motivation other than like what you, you have to want it. Like, you have to really want it. Yeah. Cause it's you gotta, fun. You gotta, yeah. You got to be like, you got to be there for yourself and, yeah. for yourself and not just like theoretically thinking about doing it. Yeah. So it's, it's fun to get fat. Like, like it is really fun. Like you can eat whatever you want. You can like, whenever you want, you're like, man, I fell asleep on the couch. I should just get up and go to bed. But you know what? I woke up thinking about ice cream. So I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> you, know, like, you wake up and you still got a slice on. Your <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like, yeah, no, we, we could drink all these beers and then order a pizza at midnight. It doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> That's the so. great thing about having hobbies. Like, oh, okay. I call, I'm calling mountain biking a hobby. We had this discussion today. Yeah. Um, a, my buddy, uh, Cody was like, Hey, when people call mountain biking a hobby and I was like, okay, yeah, I get that. But, but that, but have a lifestyle, I should say, like or, uh -huh. or a sport that you're into that helps you want, sustain that so like you can still live and have fun right. and like have those cheat meals and not worry about it you know like yeah there is absolutely zero zero fucks given if i got up at eight o'clock in the morning and rode all damn day long and like you're like oh yeah all the beer and all the pizza you want go for it you know like we might net zero at the end of the day but it doesn't matter you know <laughs> like we uh We've been loving it lately because, like, going over to this this trials training center, it's like 40, 45 minutes from the house, and we can take this back scenic road. It's awesome. Oh, there you it's go. Gorge. It's this beautiful gorge for like whitewater and rock climbing. It's gorgeous. Uh -huh. And when we come back through there, there's this little spot on the Tennessee River in the Tennessee River Gorge called River Drifters. And, uh, man, this place is like so cool because it's, it's a kind of a rural hole in the wall type joint. Like, yeah, I'm picturing like the roadhouse or something, you know? Yeah, and like it's just, but the menu is like, holy cow, like there's, I don't know, like 30, 40 sandwiches on there that are all unbelievably good. Just, oh, like right. very decadent and stuff. Uh -huh. And uh, I love going there after it. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. I would like to see more shops that are like all of the above together, like uh, where it's like, beer and food and a bike shop all in one there's one of those in pisgah that's like pretty popular but 
it's really like a nice atmosphere to be able to, well, it's kind of weird too. Cause like, then you get people who are getting kind of drunk and then they're like walking through the retail space. And like, yeah. Fix my bike now. I got to ride tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like, buddy, you've had a lot to drink and I've got like eight bikes in front of yours. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. They're this, uh, that's the hub. And, and yeah, I've seen that on Bobo's videos. Yeah. I feel I, like that I, should I have be quite a few friends that work there and like the stories they tell. Man. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Like <laughs> I can only imagine. I know my I know how how many beers I've seen drank post ride, so if you were having to deal with that every day, I think it would be a really fun for me to be able to go to, not for me to work at. <laughs> oh, I love going there and hanging yeah. out. I was like I don't know about you. I have zero tolerance for drunk people when I'm sober. <laughs> no, when you're sober. No. Oh God, I hate drunk people. Yeah. All of them. It doesn't matter who they are. Like it could be my lady. I'm like, oh my God, I hate drunk people. <laughs> yep. Zero yep. tolerance. But in, I, in, in those moments, I'm always like, ah, am I that person sometimes? Yeah. I'm totally okay with it when I'm with, when I'm in the crowd, when I'm with the group, like doing, we're all drinking. Yeah, dude. I, I'm the guy coming up with the dumbest ideas for us to do, you know, but, oh man, zero <laughs> tolerance when I'm, I'm like, yeah, no good that way. <laughs> did you see, uh, did you see this Midwest MTP? I have a button near my bed that automatically dials dominoes. Oh, there you go. I stay that- It'd be possible That's- for me. Huh? I'd be Papa John's for me. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like a, I'm a pizza snob. So back where I'm from, there's a lot of really good Italian food and pizzas. Like, like the pizza where I'm from is good. Like the Mexican food is out here in, in California. So now when I came out here, it's just oh god, I can't even like I wouldn't consider. I'm gonna be a snob. I'm gonna be super snob now. Like Papa John's or like Round Table. I'm like that's not a pizza. <laughs> the only thing I eat that from there is the bar. Well, the barbecue chicken pizza or their peppers and onions. I'm okay with those two. Like if it's gonna be a delivery place, yeah, that's it for me. Like yeah, like to eat their own. And if you love Domino's, that's great. But if I eat Domino's, I'll be sick for two days. I don't know. What, I think it's just something like. Something in their dough or something. I don't something know what, in their sauce or something like that. I like it. I mean, I'll eat it, especially if. Yeah, I mean, I, don't tell me, not, like, believe me, dude. Put I'll me in a room with a. With a put it in front of me, I'll eat it. Well, right? maybe, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, you, you put the Papa John's under my nose and, and the fat guy comes out. Like, there's no way I'm going to stop from eating it. I'm just telling you, like, it's not my preference. <laughs> under my own volition, but if right. I'm at my buddy's house and they're like, hey, you want some Papa John's? I'm going to be like, yeah, it's on. <laughs> so you I, said, I "Can you give me one second? This thing's gonna. My computer's about to die. I forgot. Yeah, go do what you gotta do, and I will. I will ad lib for a minute. So here we are. Just, I'm back. I just got plugged in. Wow, that was that was quick. I didn't even get to the point where I started talking shit about you. <laughs> Your poor pizza choices. And first of all, who puts chicken on a pizza? Seriously. Man, okay. That's I, not pizza. <laughs> I have this argument with my lady all the time where she talks about white pizza and she'll be like, oh yeah, it's like the white sauce and chicken. And I'm like, that is not pizza. It like resembles pizza, but it's not pizza. That's like calling that like Honda Ridgeline a freaking truck. 
It looks like a truck, <laughs> but it's not a truck. <laughs> well, I my dad isn't watching right now. Is he, he got Honda Ridgeline? Actually, he got rid of it. But he <laughs> you yeah. Oh, God. What is it? A Prius. A Boxster. What's that? Porsche Boxster. Oh, there you go. I know what that never is. Had a, he's never had a car, like a sports car. And when he retired, he was like, oh, I get I have to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, never in his life. He was like, oh, he's always been a very, very practical. He's okay. He was a nuclear engineer, worked uh -huh. for the Navy and the Naval, basically on on nuclear submarines. Oh, right on, like Tridents and stuff. Yeah, and then he left that and got into finances, and like uh -huh. eventually, um, my mother and him opened it up a, a like a tax business, and he's an mm -hmm. investment guy and a CPA, and like, oh, right on. Everything's like super just. Yeah, everything was all about retirement, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> Living his life for retirement. So then, yeah, yeah, he retired. He's like Porsche boxer. There you go. <laughs> Have you ever had a sports car? No, <laughs> I never had a sports car either. I never really like, like there was a part of me that always wanted one, but I could never really afford it. And then I, um, somewhere along the line, I, I got a, a crotch rocket, and that cured me of ever wanting to spend that much money on a car. Because I was like, I think the only reason I wanted a sports car is because I wanted to go fast, like some adrenaline. And yeah. dude, you can buy a $10,000 bike that goes faster than you'll ever want to go in your life. And like, it'll go that fast and then it'll still be like, so you want to go a little bit faster? <laughs> I don't need so, Yeah. I, dude. Keep I had to get rid of that thing. I like honestly, if I didn't get rid of it, I probably wouldn't be alive right now. Yeah. I have absolutely zero impulse control when it came to that throttle. Like I would get on the motorcycle and be like, "Today I'm going to take it easy," and then I would be like, "Was that a cop?" And I'm like, "Look at my speedometer. And I'm going 130 on like taking it easy." You know, <laughs> like like this is ridiculous. Yeah, dangerous. Yeah, I, I had that. I had that bike at 185, and it still was like, "So, do you want to go a little faster, or like, are you going to grow up? What's up, man?" Like that <laughs> thing was just ridiculous. <laughs> I, I don't need that in my life. Oh yeah, Dude, but it's like you know, like you how threshold, like once you've tasted the forbidden fruit. Oh, that's the problem, <laughs> and it's like right there. Like, it, it, like, you know that adrenaline feeling you get from, like, bombing some, like, super chunky downhill section? You get to the bottom, you're like, yeah! Imagine if you could do that within three seconds of rolling on a throttle at any given time. Like, <laughs> like that's what happens. You're like, oh, I'm just going to go to the store. And you're like, oh, 150. <laughs> no. That's stupid. I don't need to do it. I don't need to taste that. Ah, that's definitely... um. I, I like, seriously was like today the, the thought crossed my mind. I was sitting there and <clears throat> my buddy was taking a rest day and he showed up on his moto because he uh -huh. could kind of moto around the course when we were, we were out there riding today at TTC. Uh -huh. He was like, just kind of chilling and like drinking his seltzers. Yeah, I'm calling out on that. <laughs> and yeah, and I was like, I was sitting there looking at his bike and I'm just like, hmm. Yeah, I could dabble in that. I could try that out. And Great. Just, you know, I when I was a teenager, I had a buddy who was he always built these little like kind of mini bikes and stuff. Uh -huh. Not as many 
too many bikes are now, but they were the smaller bikes. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know about so I'm probably not doing this justice, but um, yeah. I know like, what you're talking about, little trail bikes. Like it would be like uh, down at your buddy's branch or something like that. You'd go yeah. tromping through the woods on them, little tiny tires. And I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you can ride it around. Like kind of taught me how to ride it a little bit. And I was like starting to have a good time on it. And then I laid it down right on my, on my leg and the muffler on my calf and burn. Oh, yeah. It was part of my calf muscle. And um, it was gnarly. It was like super gnarly. And ever since I haven't ridden a motorcycle ever since then. Oh, wow. Yeah. He probably did you a favor, dude. <laughs> I think if I got into motorcycles, it would have been bad. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. I never <laughs> did the moto stuff, the dirt stuff, which, um, which I'm, I'm, I don't know. I like part of me, Sometimes it's like, well, maybe I should do that. But I feel like this right now. I have enough hobbies in my life that, like, I don't even really have time for, you know? Like, I used to like to play paintball a lot. I used to, I mean, I used to ski. I used to, you know what I mean? It's like, I I bought a new set of skis, like, I thought was two years ago. And the lady just informed me, like, she's like, no, you bought those, like, five years ago, dude. Like I was like, oh, I just didn't ski last season because it wasn't good snow. And she's like, no, you just <laughs> yeah, some ridiculous excuse. <laughs> she's like, no, you haven't skied at all. Like you just mountain bike. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. So what are we doing this weekend? She's like, I'm going skiing. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm gonna go ride. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. Like you get into stuff and yeah, you just well, do it a lot, especially when it's like your social thing too. I think. Yeah. Well, and I think it's like the the adding the YouTube on top of it too. So yeah. it's like where, okay, like we were talking earlier, there's the rides that you want to do where you're just out, you know, hanging out with your buddies, having a good time. There's the rides that you want to go out and like, you just need a little personal time to go suffer up some hill for a while, you know? And yeah. then, then there's like, well, you want to go the times that you want to go film, you know? And so unless you can ride every day, that, that eats up a lot of your free time, you know? Yeah, it does. It, and time is such a, a precious resource, right? Yeah. I mean, well, and here, I don't, what's it like where you're at? But where I'm at, I mean, it's at least 30 minutes to 45 minutes almost anywhere that I want to ride. Oh, uh, yeah. It kind of is that here, too. I mean, yeah. awesome spots. I can, I can actually ride my bike um, to a place called Stringer's Ridge. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it only, it, it actually makes the mileage a little nicer to, to ride my bike there from the house. Mm -hmm. And it's not bad. It's, I live in this little subset called Red Bank on the edge mm -hmm. of Chattanooga. And it's literally from my house to there. It's like, I don't know, 10 minutes on the bike or something. Oh, it's not bad. No. And yeah. so that's great. Uh, that trail is like heavily being, you know, in this kind of on the edge of downtown. It's heavily trafficked by. Uh, trail runners and hikers and so you do have to be mindful and cautious mm -hmm. about it while you're there you can't really like it, you, you do have to be pick pick good hours to go and even then you're probably going to have a lot of people on the trail but um that's why you night ride at those places dude that would be a great place to night ride at. and uh but, but most everything else like raccoon mountain is probably my go-to spot mm -hmm. and it's 20 minutes 18 mm -hmm. 20 minutes from the house Mm -hmm. not, bad. Not, not bad at all uh, what's the riding like there like what kind of elevation mileage do you get in a, a normal ride raccoon is 
I don't know what the actual elevation is on the top to bottom. Uh, but I mean, like in your ride, it'd be like, hey, I did 15 miles. I did 2,000 feet or like what, something like that. Or You can hit a cup two to 3,000 feet on a ride there, but it's pretty exhausting. Uh-huh. A lot of like pedal techy type stuff. I mean, it's I would call it cross country, but not like fast flowy cross country. It's uh-huh. like, um kind of earn it. Pink bike would call it down country is a plus, <laughs> you know, like it's I just got a, a down country bike and it's freaking amazing there. It's absolutely perfect because it's still got all this like chunk and stuff. Uh-huh. It's like cool features to like go off of and little moves and what I like to call party poppers. Mm-hmm. Poppers like just little yeah like, yeah side you can hit and come back in the trail. Um and uh but it's like it's hard like the miles there are hard earned. Uh-huh. For sure. I, I compared to anything else in Chattanooga. Uh-huh. But it but at the same time friendly enough that it's accessible and um, yeah, I'd say like you do. A few it's dollars. weird with the different places that you go, like how different the writing is. And it's like, I guess it's not fair for me to ask the question that way. I'm just trying to make it in a way that I can understand, you know, like what, what a ride feels like there. But it, as I sit here and think about different places that I've ridden, it's like, dude, you go to Sedona and 10 miles in Sedona feels like 25 here in Northern California. Like, it's just like, you're working your ass off the whole time. It's, it's interesting here. So we have this ongoing issue in Chattanooga where we have incredible terrain, mm-hmm. but a lot of issues with, with access. Mm-hmm. So like, so much of these, the mountain ranges here are private property, like at both the top access points and the, the lower reaches. Mm-hmm. And um, that presents a problem for, a lot of outdoor sports, whether it's mountain biking or whether it's rock climbing or whether it's whitewater boating, mm-hmm. you have these pheno- this phenomenal resource, but it's really, really, really hard to like get the ability to access it and utilize yeah, it. Yeah. And so like this Walden's Ridge project is eight, 900 feet of elevation per lap, mm-hmm. which isn't bad. And no, that's good. I mean, that's fun. Riddled with sandstone the whole way down. So like the, the, the tech features that can be there are outstanding. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the, the access and making all that happen has been a, yeah, an old hill to climb and yeah. it's not, done. it's not over. There's, there's ongoing things. Unfortunately, the city council here just voted down, uh, a major, um, access point at the bottom. Uh, they, there's a lot more. I don't want to get into yeah. it. It's kind of boring, but, but we, as mountain bikers, we kind of lost a battle recently, but the war is not over. And yeah. Yeah. It will still happen. It might just happen differently. So, um, but most of what we have here in Chattanooga, like, I think I, I am not the historian on mountain biking here. I've been here for five years and I don't want to mess this up and I mm-hmm. don't want to do justice to the people who work so hard here, but it's a lot of flowy down, flowy cross country. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really utilize a lot of our major elevation points. Yeah. It's whatever land they could get and work yeah. with and make happen. And, and even one of our spots here, five points, is kind of like Florida in the, like this little weird way where there was mining that was happening there. And so in Florida, a lot of the mountain bike trails, the elevations developed from where mining was occurred, and you have these like 
interesting, like, like spiny ridges. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, a friend of mine told me about some place down in Florida that he used to ride. That was, that was an old like quarry yeah. and they would get their elevation actually dropping into the quarry. That might be. Santos. Yeah. Santos, I think was like, I think the vortex pit was a massive quarry. Ah, okay. Like a 25 foot drop. Oh, wow. It's gnarly. It's the crazy. I just went down there recently. It was like the gnarliest thing. <laughs> like, yeah. I just laugh because now I, I kind of knew that, or I picked up in recent years that there's actually some crazy stuff in Florida. I think people who live in the mountains kind of want to like poo poo on. Yeah, no, it's easy to do. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really easy to do. Cause you just make that, that assumption. You're like, I mean, cause out here, most of our riding is you do some big, long, grueling climb and then you you descend back down or maybe it's like a couple of long, grueling climbs. But like, it's like, you know, a real popular loop would be like, hey, climb this hill for 40 minutes and then descend the other side for seven. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and or, you know, something along those lines where it's like, okay, you do that, you descend and you do that, you descend like, so it's really a lot of that. And, and so you're, you're always kind of thinking, well, okay, well, I do that 1200 foot climb and descend it. And then I do this other one and descend it. Like you're telling me somewhere that has only 350 feet of elevation gain yeah. is going to be fun. Like, how is that going to be fun? You know, and then you go somewhere that engineer it's that uh, uh what's that old term like necessity is the mother of invention the engineer yeah. comes out of it is just amazing and the creativity yeah. the use of the limited resource is phenomenal and yeah when i went to spider mountain from that you know yeah when i went to spider mountain in texas i was blown away it's like 300 yeah. feet 300 feet i would like i honestly as much as I'd like to say that, you know, I've traveled and ridden and like that I was given that place a fair shake before I got there. I definitely didn't give it a fair shake before. Like in my mind, I already kind of wrote it off a little bit and then like, boom, here's, here's stuff that I was afraid to do. And I was like, wow, wait a minute. You know, like, yeah. oh, wait a minute. You know? Okay. Can so. you go to North Carolina is like 500 feet. Mm -hmm. It'll blow your mind. Right the, the riding and terrain that's out there is this, there's a trail, there's a big jump line there called Southeast style. And it's like motocross big. It is massive. Oh, and wow. uh, it, it's unreal. Like how many like trails they built in this little area on this little knoll. Like they've taken that Florida idea and just like whoo, expanded yeah. it to the Western North Carolina mountains. And it's unbelievable. Like, yeah. And even just, uh, you know, like, I live two hours from Atlanta and Atlanta's not, well, the North Georgia mountains are actually pretty sizable. A lot of good elevation there and amazing riding, but right there in Atlanta, you don't think of Atlanta as a mountainous place. And mm -hmm. there's a place called big Creek there. That's that we love to ride at. And it's this tiny little knoll mm -hmm. and unreal what they've done with just that little bit of property and that little bit of elevation. So, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's a place that I ride out all the time out here called Rockville, and it's it's only a one square mile, and it's probably one of my favorite places to ride. Yeah. I mean, it's not these like super long long downhills or anything, but it's just like it's chunky and it like tests you, and it's you know it it's punchy in the places where you got to climb, and it's like 
really hard techie lines on the spots where you're dropping down and and it's it's really fun yeah and it's and you know you go there and you're like just your heart rates through the roof and you're like, oh my god you look down at your garment you've gone like two and a half miles and you're like what the hell man this is crazy yes i've seen some videos from that spot it looks awesome yeah yeah it's super fun man um, I gotta come out there and ride. Yeah, dude. Anytime, man. Definitely. It's it, there's so much out here too, and that's the part where it's. I always tell people if you're coming though, definitely come in the summertime so that you can get up into the mountains. Like that, there's just to make the trip all the way out here and ride some of our like, you know, everyday trails. You would still have a blast, right? But to come out here and be able to go up to something where you're like like a Downeyville where it's, you know, 14, uh, mi 14 miles of downhill or you know, bad. <laughs> yeah. Some of these places up in Tahoe where you're just, you know, you're at, you know, 9,000 feet elevation looking down at the, the lake that's at 6,000 feet. I mean, you're looking down 3000 feet elevation you're like, Oh, okay. This is going to be sick. Right. I mean like this and in, in, in just the way that it feels to be like, man, I rode up here. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is mountain. Like, this is mountain biking. You know, like, there's no doubt about it. So, um, it's very mountainy. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, I, I think, mountain biking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and not to say like you don't get that feeling at other places, but I think if you're going to make a big trip to come somewhere, like, you should definitely come when you can. Yeah. 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 And then do the other stuff, you know, you like sprinkle that in. It's like, yeah, we could go to Auburn one day and you can see that stuff. But then it's like, go here and do those because you'll. I want to do those big rides. I like yeah. The big rides. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely. It is for me like that, that adventure and that getting out in the wilderness. And yeah, man, I love, I love putting down a lot of elevation in a day. So I'd be super psyched on that. Yeah. I want to come out and, um, and I, I think I saw a documentary on Downeyville. I was uh, just recently Santa Cruz did it. It was like, no, Santa Cruz didn't do it. It was like a year and a half ago that was making its rounds on the film festival tour. And um, I'd done the, the climbing documentary and was uh -huh. at a showing for that and saw this film. And How, uh, Was it a short film or was it a long film? 30 minutes, 20 yeah. minutes like that. Yeah, I yeah. thought they did one right around when the heckler came out. And maybe it wasn't Santa Cruz that did it. And I'm just thinking this it, was, they... it was more just the general, like the the festival that goes down there and the general uh -huh. Downeyville. Um, and it wasn't, I don't think it was sponsored by any sort of bike manufacturer. And it uh -huh. was it, it reminded me because I I knew all about Downeyville. And but see, here's the thing too, is I'm a recovering cross-country geek. So like uh -huh. For me, a lot of the like gravity warning and stuff and like the longer descents and things like that, like I, I, I rode stuff kind of like that just because I got into the um, NUE 100 series. Mm -hmm. So Leadville 100, Shenandoah 100, things like the, those longer like Mohican and stuff like that. And so every now and then you're like getting into these like more epic backcountry with a lot of elevation. I mean, mm -hmm. Shenandoah 100 is 13,000 feet in the ride. And yeah so, wow um but i was still doing all that on man on bikes that were just beating me up. right 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 <laughs> but so now i'm like recovering from that and like all the things i heard in the background you know the whole time when i lived near shenandoah and was 
riding their, you know, their snowshoe bike park, which is, uh-huh. was pretty renowned. And at the time, IntraWest had bought snowshoe and was really building it out, like the bike park side of things. But I was not a gravity rider. I was not a downhill rider. And I got taken up there a couple of times by a friend who was and was just more fascinated by it. I went up there for Red Bull Monster Park and the that would have been in the 2000s, 2005 ish, six. I don't know, something like that. And just was like my mind was blown when I saw it. Yeah, it was not that was not my thing, my, my realm. Yeah. But now in the past year getting more into that side of the sport um i'm starting to remember all these things i've heard like downeyville and all yeah uh uh, fontana Uh like that and i'm like ooh, now i want to start going checking those out right right downeyville's sick it's um i think that most people before they go think it's harder than what it is yeah that's the, the the thing that makes it sick is that it's sustained it's sustained long you know it's not it, it's not the chunkiest ride I've ever done. There's really like two or three sections in that whole ride that I, that, that stand out that I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a hard spot. You, you know what I mean? Other than that, the, the reason people get messed up on that ride is because you're going freaking 30 miles an hour. And if yeah. you hit a tree at 30 miles an hour, you're going to, you're going to break something, you know, <laughs> like, like, like it's, <laughs> it's there. That's when you get screwed up, you know? And, and, uh, but overall, though, it's just like it's just so fun because you're, you know, there's nothing but fist bumps and and high fives the whole way down the hill. You know, you're just having a blast. You know, where you're stopping because your forearms can't take it anymore, not because like you're bored. You know, so. We just asked if you've ever been to Whistler. No, I haven't. I was planning on going. I was hoping last summer to go to road trip to Colorado, and or Whistler. So the, the plan was one of those two. I, the plan was actually both of them, but realistically, I probably would end up doing one of them. Yeah. But I mean, everybody knows how last year went. So I want to go. So yeah, last year, everything was yeah canceled. Yeah. Right. I would love to go though. I mean, it, I, I, so there's, there's so much to go that like to like, I mean, obviously, you know, you see all the videos at top of the world, so you you want to do that. But I've seen so many other videos of all this other, like, just regular trail riding around there that just looks phenomenal. It looks so good. Even yeah. the park just looks infinitely amazing. Yeah. yeah. And to me, like, park riding doesn't really um, – I haven't done it, put it that way, first of all. Let me, let me start with that. I haven't done anywhere lift access before. It's a drug. Just stay away from it. I would imagine, and and there's that, but there's a part of me broke. Stay away from it. Yeah, right. But there's a part of me that like really the part of mountain biking that I really enjoy is like being out and like going on this like mission, so to speak. And and I think that's one of the reasons that I don't like. I mean, we have a park that I could go to that's close by, but I just don't go because I'm like I want to go do this other crazy ride, you know? Like, so it's it's and, and I I've. I totally feel you there as somebody who's always kind of been more on that, like epic journey of side of things. Who's yeah. gotten into park in the last year. I love park. I, I mean, I, I think it's fantastic, but there is a very different level of satisfaction that comes from a really epic trail ride. Yeah. What you'll ever get at a park at a park at the end of the day, you know, it's like, oh, it's so great to get all that repetition 
and to get all of that descending and do all of those things that really help you grow on the gravity side of things. But then at the end of the day, when like the lift shuts down and it's like, you're excited and you're pumped up and you're going to get like drinks with your buddies or whatever, but there's something missing. Yeah. Yeah. And Actually, I've been to Spider Mountain. I, I guess I screwed that up <laughs> already. But there's something missing, and and yeah. when you go out for those like really great long trail rides. There's that. It's like the runner's high. It's yeah. that euphoria that comes from that effort that you put in, that sweat equity to get yeah. you up top of the mountain and to get you into those descents. You know, under your own two legs. And yeah, uh, yeah. That you can't beat that. I mean, that's just, and, uh, but it's, it, you know, I think a lot of people who are super into gravity riding who are like really, really passionate about the sport. They, mm -hmm. they all trail ride like that. There, there's yeah. no pro riders out there. Well, I shouldn't say that. Yeah. There's probably some, but so many of the pro riders out there, you, you, they, they do that stuff all the time. They ride back country. They do these epic yeah. and they earn it. And they, that's the fitness that comes from that. And the experience that comes from that can't be yeah i think yeah there's <laughs> yeah i think you know that part of mountain biking that you're talking about is like like when i rode to freel point or freel peak here in tahoe that's like the highest elevation mountain legit mountain bike trail in the area it's like almost ten thousand feet elevation and like you get up there and you're looking at this view and you're thinking to yourself like there's not a lot of people that have done this you know what I mean? Like even in the mountain bike community, you, you know, like there, there's a small subset of people that have, have done what it takes to get up here. And, and that feels good, you know? And, and that's like, I think that's the kind of thing that I always like, like looking for, you know, it's like, man, we rode to this spot. Like how many people have been here before? Yeah. You know, like this is like, we get to enjoy this because we put the effort in to get here. And that that's, and I think that's what like always makes me choose those trail rides over going to the park is just like, I want that adventure that I like, like what you said, like you earned it, you know? Yeah. And not like in some kind of like snob way, because I know plenty of guys that ride park all day long that are like way better on the bike than I am. It's just like what I get out of it. Like I'm not a big jump guy, you know? And yeah. yeah, there's parks that have like techie stuff too, but I, I just, I think I like the whole package. Like, even yeah. though I love bitching about climbing, like I still like that as part of it, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it, it feels good. It's just yeah. the, the endorphins that come out of it, the mental health that you get from it is like some parallel. Yeah. Um, even spending this past season riding a ton of park, um, getting back on the trail bike and, and getting doing these rides and, and feeling that sensation again is um, it's a stark reminder of why, like I'll never just, I'll never be a full park person. For sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> um, well, dude, we hit the two hour mark, man. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I always ask people at the end of the show, what other YouTube channels do you watch? And it doesn't necessarily have to be like mountain biking stuff. It's always interesting to uh, hear about other, other channels that are interesting, whether it's like underwater basket weaving or just whoever your favorite mountain biker is or, um, you know, some of the ones I watch, I'm trying to, 
the names escape me. I'm going to start with mountain biking ones because there's some ones that I've, I've really enjoyed a lot over the last year and some that I'm watching more now. Uh -huh. uh, one of my favorites lately is the Shreddest. Oh, yeah. He's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I like him. I that love that cool. van project. I don't know yeah. why. I think it's the cheapy, the, like the cheapskate in me. I'm like, oh, I love it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's freaking great. And I, I don't know. Any of that ingenuity that... I mean that adjustable drop you built in in and of itself. Like I like yeah. just the the whole like mechanical engineering side of that. Like yeah, it's fantastic. It's super cool. Um, I mean, he's got a great voice too. So. Yeah, yeah. No, he's got he's got good stories. <laughs> uh, you know, we've already talked about like a lot of them too, like Bobo and Seth. Mm -hmm. The ones that really got me into it, and um, uh, you know, I would say. Um, if I want to get a good laugh, like Colorado kid's been, he's been uh, giving me some good chuckles lately. Yeah, yeah. Big Lone Ranger fan. Um, oh, man. BKXC, of course. Well, you know, BCPOV is like one of my longstanding favorites. And he comes to my neck of the woods fairly often. Oh, right on. This past year. And he's like, hit some really cool obscure spots here, which is like a lot of fun um have you have you had a chance to meet him no uh -uh, i haven't i haven't uh, met him they have been back here since i've really been since i've even known who they were uh-huh yeah you'll definitely have to make that happen it's always fun to meet meet the people in in uh in real life you know yeah for sure yeah it's it's uh it's i don't know there's just so many good ones out there like um there's this one channel that I'm like really trying to remember what it's called is totally not mountain biking related, but it's this guy that builds these most like he, he builds like freaking, like he built like a spa uh -huh. of like some third world country by hand. Oh, I think I've seen some of those forward. like cuts it out of like bricks that he makes out of the dirt and the ground. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that. I don't even know who he is, but it blows my mind every time I watch it. Um, yeah, no, the folks that like refinish old um, tools. Oh yeah, right on. Or, like old vices, or like just random things where they—it's all rusted and corroded, and they take it apart and redo the whole thing and refinish it. And I've like, seen some of them too, where they'll take something like that, like it's an old vice, and then they turn it into like a crazy-looking axe or something like that, and you're like, "What yeah. the hell? How did they do that?" yeah i love that stuff i think it's the coolest ever somebody says is the channel is the channel called primitive technology yes yeah these guys this midwest mtb nailed it then yeah i think i'm pretty positive it's primitive technology right on man Fascinating. it's like it's super cool yeah. yeah it's crazy man it's crazy how much stuff's out there and it's like even in the mountain bike space, like I feel like I know most of the big YouTubers and, and sometimes some like channel will pop up and I'll be like, this guy has 70,000 subs. How have I never seen one of his videos before? Yeah. You know, like I don't, How big it was. <laughs> it's the algorithm, man. You gotta do <laughs> So, Hey man, I had a great time chatting with you. Dude, I really appreciate you. Uh, you getting on the show, dude. It was a good time for sure. Yeah, I mean, had a good time. I'm definitely looking forward to getting over there to Tennessee and trying out some of those trails the way the way you're talking yeah, about. I don't know if you're planning on coming here, we'll for sure, I'll, man. 
all about. I'll show you what it's all about. I, I'll hold you to that. Um, being able to hold your own with the drinking thing. We'll have to see how that goes. Oh, <laughs> right on, man. So either way, <laughs> hey, everybody. Oh, wait, let's not do that yet. I appreciate everybody that came came along on the ride here with us as well. Dude, you guys are all all rock stars. If you have a chance to swing by my Instagram, do that at BikerB1. That would be awesome. Or you could check out Semi Sendy's channel if you haven't seen it already. The link's in show more. And uh, definitely check out some of his content. You can tell he's got his uh, his filmmaking chops pretty much squared away. So maybe some of these one of these days I'll get there. But until then, you can watch his channel. So <laughs> I do want you guys to remember one thing, though. It only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one. <laughs>